0: Again, good evening, everyone. It's such an honor to be here with you all to study. Uh, It's always a great opportunity when the people of God can get together and we can open up the Bible and we can help each other grow uh, and challenge each other's faith uh, so that we can continue to get that much closer um, to the reward in heaven. Uh, Tonight, as mentioned before, uh, let's open up our Bibles to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, and we'll be examining verses 1 through 9. And again, our topic this evening is Lord. I just I just keep getting knocked down. Lord, I just keep getting knocked down. And so tonight, you know, as we, as we look at this text and before we read it, tonight, in a sense, you may feel knocked down in some way. Maybe that's by sin, right? Maybe you feel knocked down that, uh, where, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's in the local congregation, that your efforts—it feels like it's a waste of time. It feels like you're not being appreciated wherever you are. Maybe tonight you feel uh, frustrated with with life circumstances, with physical circumstances. Maybe tonight you might feel knocked down by temptation. Whatever sense of temptation or feeling knocked down you feel tonight, tonight's lesson is catered for you. Tonight's lesson is catered towards you. And so tonight what we want to do, we want to give you some hope through the scripture. And so as we study this, what we're going to do, we're going to look at John chapter 5 and we'll read our text verses 1 through 9. And before we get into our text, we'll give some background, uh, we'll give some reasons of why we're knocked down, but then we'll also understand the issue. I think it's very important that before we study any text, we have to understand what's going on. So the text can be be so much clearer as we begin to study. So so let's read verses one through nine, and then we'll give a little background here before we really dive into our text. The Bible says in John chapter five, starting in verse one, after this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue, Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, of halt, of withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool, troubling the water. Whatsoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease that he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been uh, now a long time, that case, he said unto him, will thou be whole? The impotent man answered and said, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put into the pool, but while I'm coming, another steps before me. And Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took his bed and walked. And the same day was the Sabbath. Lord, I just keep getting knocked down. So before we can understand how to get up, first of all, we need to realize why we're down. So tonight, as we mentioned in our introduction, whatever way that you feel knocked down, you're down. So we need to realize why we're there. So here's just a few reasons I came up with of why we could be knocked down. Number one, we could be knocked down in this life because of natural causes. There's things that we cannot control. So some of us may feel knocked down and completely overwhelmed with our COVID situation. Some may feel completely knocked down because of Because of health problems that they cannot control. So that might make you feel knocked down with something that you know you can't do anything about. Then number two, another reason why we might be knocked down tonight is because of our own choices. I'm reminded of Luke chapter 15. Remember the younger son went to the father and he wanted his inheritance early. The father gave him his inheritance. And the Bible says in Luke 15 that the, the, the rich or the young man uh, had a, lived a riotous life. And next thing you know, his friends are around. Everybody's here. Everyone loves him. But the next thing you know, he's eating with the pigs. Maybe you're knocked down because of your own choices. Then number three, here's another reason. Tonight, we, be, we might be knocked down because of the way that we've treated other people. See, we call this the sowing and the reaping rule, right? Whatever you sow, that shall you reap. I'm reminded of Jacob. Remember what what Jacob did, right? So he, with the help of his mother, spent some time finding ways to trick Esau. He gets the blessing. Esau wants to kill Jacob. Jacob has to leave because Esau wants to kill him. Now, next thing you know, now Jacob needs help. Now he's talking with Laban and now on his wedding day, he expects it to be Rachel. He takes the veil and it's Leah. See, sometimes we're knocked down by the things that we've done in our own past. So as we understand why we're knocked down before we move forward, you have to get into your mind why you feel the way you feel right now, because in order to get up, you have to realize why you're down. So now, since we realize the reason why we're knocked down, let's keep building on. So here's our background of our text here in John chapter five. So it mentions in verse number two, that there was a pool and that pool in the Hebrew, it's called Bethesda having five porches. So here's what, what this pool was. This pool was a place according to verse three, where great multitudes would come and the lame would be there. So essentially what would happen is there would be a a little piece of water coming out randomly from that pool and the folk tale was that if someone touched that water first whoever was lame would be healed according to verse four they believed that the randomness of that pool was an angel stirring up that water so once the angel stirred up that water whoever got there first they were healed so now here's something that we need to understand This is very important as we, as we understand, because if we take this literal, then it takes it out of context here in John chapter five. So this is how we can know and imply using our, using our biblical skills, why an angel didn't literally just come and stir these waters up. Because if you really look at this, this is inconsistent with how the Bible gives out blessings. So there's never anywhere in scripture where someone gets a blessing because they're first. Well, I got here first, so I get the blessing. Well, because I'm here first and I get the blessing. Remember, Jesus teaches us a concept. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. So we, we can't use this here in John chapter five that this is literal. So this was literally a folktale. They believe, man, if I could just get to this pool first, I can be healed. So now what's our issue here? All right, so let's, let's keep walking through our text. So, so let's look at verse number five. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity for 38 years. So now here's our issue. We understand the background. We understand why we're knocked down. Now what's the issue in the text? The issue is this. The man had an infirmity for 38 years. And notice what this man was doing. He was chasing something for 38 years that could not heal his issue. So every time the water came and he stirred up, He would try to go and someone would get in front. He would try to go and someone would get in front. He's looking for his answers in the wrong places. Now, all this stuff matters, and we're going to connect this together. But we have to understand our background. We got to understand our context. So now this man had an infirmity for 38 years in the same place, year after year after year, feeling knocked down. See, all of us tonight are the same exact way. All of us have an infirmity. But sometimes instead of going to the right solution, we'll go to somewhere else. Well, we just need more money, then that'll fix everything, right? Well, we just need to overwork ourselves, that'll fix everything, right? See, sometimes some of us have been looking for our healing in something else. But notice, as we walk through our text, since we understand our background and we understand our issue, now we'll understand how Jesus was able to help this man that's been knocked down constantly for 38 years and also will make some personal application of how Jesus can help you. All right, so now let's, let's look at our text. So here's our first point, starting in verse number six. So verses one through five, that's our background, that's our context. Now we understand what's going on. So now let's keep building on to what we're doing here. Verse number six, here's our first point. Jesus, as we're knocked down, Jesus knows about our case. Point number one, as we're knocked down constantly, Jesus knows about our case. Look at the text. And when Jesus what's the next two words? When Jesus saw but notice the specific specifics that John mentions, Jesus saw him. So go back to verse three really quick. How many people were at that pool? it wasn't just him, was it? The Bible says that there lay a great multitude. So when you're going through your infirmity, you feel lost in the crowd, don't you? You feel like nobody really gets it. You feel like no one really understands what's going on in your life. But notice, Jesus knows your case. Jesus knows my case. Jesus saw him. So think about this. The one thing in this life that we don't want people to do while we feel knocked down or while we're going through certain things, we never want people to forget that we exist. So, in your pain, in your struggle, in your temptation, in your hurt, in all these circumstances that you're dealing with, you feel lost in the crowd. And the only thing that you want is for someone to notice you, your pain. But notice in this great multitude, The text says that Jesus saw him. I'm reminded of David in Psalm chapter 13, where David asks a series of five questions, right? In verses one, one and two. But specifically, David mentions, how long will you forget me, Lord? And then notice this next question that David asked in verse one. How long will you forget me? Forever? See, when we're going through our, now notice, how long had he been going through this? This isn't a one-month thing. This isn't a week thing. This isn't a year. This has been 38 years of constant disappointment. And every year, he goes and he tries to get healed, but he goes to the wrong source. But now we understand that Jesus saw him. Jesus sees you. See, Jesus sees your struggle, and he wants to help you. But now let's keep walking through our text here. So now we understand that Jesus saw him. So the singularity there in that crowd, in that big multitude, he singled him out. I saw him. But then notice what else the text says. Jesus saw him lie. But what else is the next word? And he knew. So now let's stop right here. So have you ever seen a young child crying? Right. The young child might have been hurt. The young child might have broken something, whatever it is. The mother doesn't understand what that pain is because her, her body's okay. She might not have broken anything, but she can sympathize with that child. And have you ever seen a mother pick a child up and she might not know the exact pain that he's going through, but what does a mom always say? I know. I know. Isn't that comforting to hear that even though you really don't get it, I hear that I know. So now think about think about this man of 38 years of this infirmity. I've been trying everything for 38 years and nothing's working. Actually, I've been trying the same thing for 38 years and nothing's working. So then the first thing my life changes in verse six, Jesus, he saw me. But then not only did Jesus see me. But he understands as if he's been here next to me for the last 38 years. So I'm reminded of a couple things here. Keep your finger there in John chapter 5. We're going to keep building. But notice is look at Romans chapter 8, if you will. Romans chapter 8. And again, this is the beauty of Jesus understanding what we're going through. Uh, Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 27. Now notice what our text mentions here. And he that searches the heart. What's the next word? Knows. What did he just say? In John chapter 5, verse 6, when Jesus saw him, Jesus knew. Isn't that amazing? So now watch this. And he searches the hearts, and he knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So isn't that a wonderful thing for us as New Testament Christians, that the same way that Jesus knew this man who's been suffering for 38 years, Whatever way that you feel knocked down, Jesus knows. I know. Now look at this. Well, you might be skeptical. Well, okay, Jesus might know, but Jesus hasn't gone through my exact. There's not a biblical example in the Scripture of the exact pain that I'm feeling. So how can Jesus really understand what it feels like to be me? Well, I'll answer that. Look at look at Isaiah chapter fifty-three. This is the reason why Jesus can understand exactly your pain. Because we might not have an approved example of what you're going through and then Jesus goes through it in scripture. But watch this. Isaiah chapter 53 verse number 3. Notice our text. He, talking about Jesus, he's despised. So, he knows what it feels like to be despised of men. He's rejected of men. So now watch this. Jesus was a man of what? Of sorrows. So what's included in sorrow? Is it just one thing? So now every sorrow, every pain, everything that we feel that can knock us down, guess who knows what it feels like? Even though he might not have gone through the specific thing. Jesus. Because what does Isaiah say he was? A man of sorrows. Then he builds on this idea in the text. Not only was he a man of sorrows, the word and in our English language, it connects two ideas. So not only was he a man of sorrows and is connecting another idea. So what else was he? And he was acquainted with grief. Have you ever sat there and thought about that? Jesus knows. And this, this, is, a, this is an incredible thought. When you think about that word acquainted, that's something that you have familiarity with. So it's, it's not foreign to you. So is it possible that every day our Lord was here, he was acquainted with some type of grief? Because he was a man of sorrows and he was acquainted with grief. He knows. He knows, brethren. And then even though Jesus was all that for us, Jesus was all that for them there in in the New Testament. And we hid our faces from him. And he was despised. And we esteemed him not. So Jesus knows what it's like to be you, to be us. So now let's go back to our text here in John chapter 5. So now this man understands, I've had this infirmity for 38 years. Then, verse number six, Jesus sees me. Jesus knows that he'd been there, but watch what the text says. Jesus knew that he had been there. What does the text say? For a long time. So, Jesus knows what it's like to suffer for long periods of time. But notice how specific the text gets just in that one verse. Not only did Jesus see him, not only did Jesus know how long he was there but jesus knew his case i know the exact pinpoint problem of why you're suffering see it's one thing for someone to know an idea of what you're going through but that's not the same as somebody who knows there's no questions i know exactly what's wrong and number two i know exactly what you need so now jesus knows our case When you look at that phrase there, Jesus knows our case, if you look at that, he knows how long, he knows how much it hurts, and he knows how long it's been hurting. So right now in our Tuesday class here at the School of Biblical Studies, we're going through the book of Job, which has been an amazing study. And our faith has increased through each chapter. And after each class, I always ask the same question. How is your faith? So notice what Job, so keep your finger there in John chapter 5. And jump over to Job chapter 23, if you will. Job chapter 23 and and read verse number 10. So while you're turning there, here's what's happening. So Job is essentially uh, wanting to plead his case before God. If I could just tell God what's happening, then he could help. If I could just sit here right in front of him and let him know what's going on, he can help me. So Job was going back and forth with his friends there saying, look, if I could just talk to him, he would understand. But now, even though Job didn't get what was going on, because remember, the only thing we have in scripture in the book of Job of how long he was suffering, it's Job said he was suffering for wearisome months. So that's the only time frame, quote unquote, that we have. So Job understands what it's like to suffer for a long time, just like this man of infirmity did. But now watch verse 10 of Job chapter 23. So even though Job had no idea of what to do, Notice what he said, and notice what he knew about Jesus, or notice what he knew about God. Verse 10, but he, what's our next word? <laughs> Bible's good, guys. He knows. He knows the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, so after I'm done suffering for 38 years, for months, for however long that it is, after this trial is over, I shall come forth as gold. So now if we look back at our text, that one word, no, is so important. So now through the, our first point, as we look at this, Lord, I just keep getting knocked down. What is Jesus saying back to me? What is Jesus saying back to you tonight? I know. That's, how, that's all he has to say. I know. I know your case. I see you. I know you've been suffering for a long time. And I know your case. I know. I know. But now point number two, Lord, I just keep getting knocked down. Jesus is saying, okay, I know your case. What's point number two? Point number two, Jesus wants to heal us. So it's one thing for someone to to know something. It's another thing for someone to offer a legitimate uh, solution. Okay. So now as we look at point number two, not only does Jesus know and understand and see us, but number two, Jesus wants to heal us. So now let's read verse six again. and Jesus saw him lie, and he knew that he had been there a long time, and he knew his case. And so now Jesus understands all this, but now notice the one question that Jesus asked this man: "Wilt or do? do you want to be made whole? You want to be made whole. See, Jesus literally wants to help us. See, Jesus understood his case. But ask them one question, do you want to get out of it? See, now Jesus is asking us the same thing today. I understand you've been this for a long time. I understand you feel like this isn't happening. I I understand what's going on, but that's not my concern. Jesus' concern is, do you want to be healed? So now all of us, naturally, what are we going to say? No one's going to deny that. Yeah, we want to be healed from whatever we're going through. But notice this man would say the same thing all of us would say. Look at verse number seven. So after Jesus asked that simple question, do you want to be made whole? Verse number seven, then the impotent man answered him and said, sir, I have no man. When the water is troubled and put me in the pool, or when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I'm coming... Another steps down before me. So now, again, go back to the original question Jesus asked. What did he say? Do you want to be whole? So he didn't say yes or no, but what did he start doing? He started complaining. See, here's what we do too. Sometimes Jesus offers solutions to our lives in a lot of different ways. Jesus offers solutions through people. Jesus offers solutions through circumstances. Jesus offers solutions through the word of God, through preaching, through Bible classes, through all these other things. But instead of going to those solutions, what do we do? Just like he did in verse seven. We start complaining. But what did Jesus already say in verse six? Jesus already said, I know. But what do we do? Well, Lord, I got to explain what's going on. Watch verse seven. First of all, Lord, no one's been here. You know, you know what that feels like, Jesus? I've been here for 38 years trying. No one's been here for me. No one. And then on top of no one being here, by the off chance that I happen to get by that water, by the off chance that I actually get to go to something that someone says can heal me, someone else gets it. Someone else gets in front. So then all of us would say the same thing he did in verse 7. So now I want to be whole, but you don't understand my situation. That's essentially what we tell Jesus. Jesus, Lord, I want to do this. I want to be whole. I want a better life. I want things to go my way, but you don't understand. What did Jesus already say he did? He already said, I know. So now his three excuses was, there's, nobody, there's, there's been nobody in my life for 38 years. Every time I try to do something else to get healed, someone else gets it before me. So essentially, Jesus, I'm tired of trying because for 38 years, I've been getting the same result. You ever feel that way? So maybe that tells us just like this in potent man in John chapter five, if we've been doing literally, literally in the in the literal sense of that word, if we've literally been doing the same stuff. No wonder we're tired. Because what was he doing for 38 years? Same place, same pool, same results. Lord, I want you to help, but I'm tired. But notice what Jesus is really asking him. Yeah, I know you're tired, but you haven't tried me see, maybe sometimes we say we try Christ, but if we're still having the same results, it's possible that we're really not doing it the right way. And so this leads us to our next point of how we can start to do it the right way. So now Lord, I mean, I just, I just keep getting knocked down. I don't, I don't know how to do it. I can't, I can't do this anymore. Jesus knows. He knows about my case. He knows about your case. Then number two, Jesus literally asks one question. Do you want to be whole? Yes. So then number three, what does Jesus expect? Here's our third point. Jesus expects us to exercise faith. Jesus expects us to exercise faith. Now let's keep reading through our text here as, as we're walking and as we're building together. All right, uh, verse eight. So Jesus saith unto him, rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and he took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. So now Jesus understood the problem. Jesus offered a solution, but notice there's always something for us to do. See, sometimes we kind of think of, uh, Christianity and Christ as, um, I've heard someone say, think of it as a genie. Right. If we have the right heart, if we cry enough, if we do all this, then all of a sudden it's just going to end up working out. That's not how Jesus operates. Okay, he operates by understanding what we're going through. He operates by giving us literally all the solutions possible, but then he expects us to do something about it. So now what did he tell this man to do in verse eight? The first the first action word Jesus said unto him. Rise. So now stop right there. If you're taking notes, circle that word. See, when you study, you got to look at every word. It's very important. So now when you think about that word rise, so now we we understand more about what this man's infirmity was. He must have been lame so he could not walk. So that must have been his, his infirmity. So imagine him at this pool, and every time the water comes up, he has to drag down there And randomly go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth for 38 years because the man can't walk. But notice, what's the solution that Jesus offers this man? Jesus is all about the challenging business, brethren, okay? Jesus is all about the challenging business. What do you mean by that? That one word, rise, right, in verse number 8. You know why that word is so important? Because that's the one thing that this man could not do for 38 years. He didn't know how to rise. So now Jesus is telling him to do something that he's never done. So sometimes, and you know this too, if you're honest with yourself, and if I'm honest with myself tonight, you know you want to change. You know you want to do better. And you know that your life needs a change. You know that. But here's the thing. Sometimes the thing that Jesus tells us to do is something that we might be uncomfortable with. It might be something that we've never done. So now you're at it. And so you see what Jesus, Jesus is smart. You see what he does? He always puts the ball back in our court. I, I know your problem. I can heal you. You said you wanted it. So now what are you going to do? I'm 100%. But the question is, what are you going to do? See, we have to exercise faith. See, sometimes when Jesus challenges us, sometimes it's something that we haven't done before. But, you know, as we do this, notice what this man is willing to do. Jesus said, rise, take up your bed, which is something that he couldn't do and he's never done. And then what did he tell him to do? And walk. Look how challenging that must have been for that man. So number one, so you're telling me to get up when I've never been able to for 38 years. Then number two, you're telling me to take up my bed, which is something I've never done in 38 years. Then three, you're telling me to walk, something I've never done in 38 years. Yep. You want to be whole, right? Do what I say. So I'm reminded of Psalm chapter 23. We looked at this. I can't remember the time I was here uh, with you all, but I'm reminded of the sermon that I did in Psalm 23, starting in verse four. Remember when David said, yea, though I walk. What am I walking through? Through the valley of the shadow of death. So sometimes getting up, Sometimes taking up our bed and sometimes walking hurts. So here's the crazy part about this. There's some people tonight that will listen to this. And they know they need to change. But because it's too hard to get up because it's too hard to take up your bed and because it's too hard to walk, I won't and I can't and I will make up any excuse why I can't do those three things. And those are the same people that complain why their life is terrible. But here's the crazy thing about this. Jesus has already offered us a solution. But you know what, what causes us not to take that solution? Fear. I'm scared. I've never done. I'm concerned what someone else is going to think. I'm concerned about what they're going to say. I'm concerned about what they feel about it. Then you're going to stay infirmed. I'm saying this with all the love of my heart. You're going to stay infirmed. And so it, here's, here's this concept, too, if you think about it. We don't do this stuff that Jesus tells us to do because we're scared. We can either do one of two things in our infirmities. Okay? Option one, with our infirmities, we can actually take the challenge and just trust him and have faith, which is that's a rare breed of people. Or two, we can keep making excuses. We can keep being fearful. And if you notice in the book of Revelation, the lake of fire, who's that reserved for? So now Jesus gives us a choice every single day. While you're infirmed, you can keep walking around scared, making excuses. And you can suffer later, still being scared in the lake of fire. Or, or you can conquer that fear here and you can actually do the challenge and be healed. So, Jesus is literally, literally, if you, I can see this picture, Jesus is sitting there in all of our lives right now. And guess what? He's telling us to do choose. And Jesus, Jesus will let you do whatever you want to do. And those that are trying to help you, guess what? We're going to do that too. We'll let you do whatever you want to do. But the question's there. Do you want to be whole? So now we understand this. So with Jesus, we can do things for him that we never thought we could do without him. So now this man has never been able to walk, but now Jesus is here. Now I can walk. You know, that's the amazing thing about Jesus. And that's the amazing thing about good people, that you can do things with them that you never thought possible. Never. So now here's this example quickly. So in Luke 18, we have the the rich young ruler, right? And he said, Lord, what do I got to do to inherit eternal life? Essentially, keep all these commands. The the rich young ruler says, well, I've been keeping all this. I've been keeping these commands since my youth, right? I've been doing this. But then Jesus said, there's one thing. What is that? That's a choice. There's one thing that you lack. Give all that you have and give to the poor. So now, what did Jesus offer him? Jesus knew. Jesus offered him a solution. But what did he do? I'm out. Can't do it. He was fearful, but then if you jump to Luke chapter 19, now we're introduced to Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus, the text mentions that he was a publican, but the text also mentions that he was rich, just like the guy in chapter 18. So now you got two men with the same exact situation. Jesus being Jesus offers both men the same deal. I know Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. What do you want to do? And what did Zacchaeus say? Zacchaeus didn't run off with a random excuse. What Zacchaeus did, he said, Lord, I'll give, I'll give what I have to the poor. And if I've stole something, I'll give it back this many fold. I'm ready. See, Zacchaeus took the offer. The rich man walked off. And here's the thing. So now if, if the day of judgment was on that day, that rich man would be in judgment, still living in fear. But Zacchaeus would have been with Christ. So now who do you want to be tonight? We all have an infirmity. We all have an issue. We all have a problem. Jesus said he knows. Jesus said he saw. Jesus said, what do you want to do? Now the choice is on you tonight. You're going to be scared. Are you going to listen to other people that make you scared? Or you're going to do something about it. See, with Jesus... We can do things for him that we never thought we could do. So now, as we keep reading through our text, let's finish in verse 9. So after you take that challenge, after you make the right choice, what comes next? And immediately, the man was made whole. And notice, he took up his bed, which guess what? That shows he did it, and he walked. He followed through. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Lord, man, I just keep getting knocked down. See, all of us are in the same spot that this man was in. All of us are in the same spot as the rich man. And all of us are in the same spot as Zacchaeus. But now Jesus offers us a solution. So, what are we going to do? So, as we close, I want y'all to think about this for a second. Did you know? That every Sunday, every Wednesday, every opportunity that we have to study, every other great avenue in which the which the gospel gets out today, you know what that is? That's Jesus offering you his solution. But because it's too hard, because I'm scared, because I don't want to think what they're going to think about it, I'm not going to do it. You've made your choice already. And sometimes you got to let people make their choices. But there's going to be the rare few that understand where they are, understand that they need to get up out of where they are, and they're going to take the offer that Christ has to offer. So tonight, will you let Jesus come help you and heal your infirmity? Or tonight, will you find, notice, the, notice what I'm saying here, or will you find reasons to go? Find reasons to leave him. The choice is yours. Lord, I just keep getting knocked down. I hope tonight that you'll take his offer, that you'll consider his offer, that you'll consider I need him. This might be hard. This might be something I've never done. I might not feel ready for it. I might not feel worthy for it, but I'm going to do it because I know he's the one that can help me. I hope he will take that opportunity. So before I give it back to uh, brother Owens, let's uh, go to God in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, hallowed be thy great, Thy holy name. Father, we're thankful for another opportunity that we have to uh, study the scripture. We're so glad that you have left a written word uh, for us to study. Uh, we're so thankful for uh, all these, these great accounts in scripture, um, Father, we're so thankful that as we study through this text tonight in John chapter 5, that uh, we see that you understand, that you know, and that you have offered all of us a solution. And Father, you have expected us to exercise faith. Father, I pray that all of us and everyone that, that listens to this will be able to self-examine themselves, uh, to be able to see where they are, and to be willing to understand that they need to make a change in their lives. Father, I pray that there will be good brethren and good people around to help them to make that change, to get closer to thee. Father, we're so grateful for this opportunity that we have to grow with thee, to have our our faith tested um, so that we can come forth as gold. Father, we are so grateful for everything that thou has done for us, and we're thankful for thy son and his sacrifice. We ask that you continue to be with us um, and guide us as we continue to uh, try to do thy son's will here on earth. that's his name we pray. Amen.